while we have you, Brewer, mm-hmm. uh, I always think, like, as a mom, it's nice to to know what our kids think. But sometimes we're not really in a position, like if our kiddos are younger or sometimes, you know, even just our, our kiddos giving us, like, really intuitive, thoughtful, honest, you know, information. It's, you know, maybe you're not really there yet with your kiddo or not. But um, I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty interesting that you're pretty open and you kind of talk about like how you were raised and how you're really, um, you know, like aware of like your your mental health and and take a break and stuff. So while we have a 20, you're 20 now, right? Yes. Yeah. While we have a, a 20, 20 something guy with us. I thought it would be kind of nice to to kind of ask you those questions that um, as parents, we want to know when our kids are young. You know, yeah. I, I remember thinking when my my kiddos were young, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I won't let them do this or I won't let the, them do that when they grow up or they're going to hate me forever. <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of backstory? Because I think I think you you come from a, like a bit of a different perspective. I know you've talked about it before. And if uh, people are readers of our blog, they, they know about a little bit about your dad. But would you talk about, you know, how you were raised? Yeah. So uh, I'm the youngest of four. So that makes me the youngest person of a big family of six. Uh, so as my parents were raising their children on the fourth one, they kind of understood the ins and outs of every little thing about parenting or so what they thought. Because uh, on the fourth trial, you hope you kind of do it the right way. And I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, this guy right here is not too bad. Um, but yeah, so don't get I so, agree. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and cue for yes, someone to say something you. nice about me. Tracy, I, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and being that young individual in a, in a large family, you, you see five other lives grow up and, and you learn from five other individuals, which is great. I was very fortunate to have three older siblings who wanted nothing to do but to help me and, and to teach me and uh, kind of be my friend whenever I needed to. So I, I always had support. It's one thing I, I'm very blessed to have. Um, not many not many can say that. Um, every step of the way when I was young to, till now, I could talk to anyone in my family just about anything. Um, and that's a huge part of what makes me so aware of my mental health and and just aware of mental health in in general and um you were also raised by a dad who found out that he has ADHD yeah so he he found out when he was i believe in his 30s or early 40s uh so later in life right um diagnosed later in life once he was diagnosed he he was like oh i understand why growing up i was this way like he it makes so much more sense to him now and now he's able to to realize it and, and deal with it and medicate it, um, which is great for him. But um, that's also another facet that he can bring to the table uh, to teach me about. And that's living life with a challenge, right? And it's one thing that I'm fortunate enough to currently not be diagnosed with. Um, but to have that perspective is is great for me, especially to to live with someone. I lived with him for 20 years in the same house. So I understand when he is uh, not maybe when he's having a tough time, like I understand where it's coming from and, and I know some things may come out and he doesn't mean it. Uh, so I think that's also important for me to realize mental health that way. And, 
you were raised by a, he stayed at home with you guys for a little while while you were while you were little. Yes. I know your mom is a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. So my yeah. And and your so your dad was I think I think that's even a little unusual for you know like ten years ago for to have a stay at home parent, but then two to have a stay at home dad. Yeah, I mean, so I think when I was like third or second grade, it happened, or so it was when I was younger, right? Um, and a lot of people, I would say, I have a stay at home parent. They go, oh, like, what does your dad do? And I'm like, actually, my dad's a stay at home dad. So he would he would drop us off at everything. He would do the dishes and the lawn. Like he would just run the house and, and we needed it like you said mom mama was the powerhouse so she was holding it down for the johnson six um but my dad was holding it down in such a different way he uh he was su- such a crucial part to to raising me and and my siblings and um like you said having that stay at home individual be a dad 10 years ago was not a normal occurrence um so it put my perspective on just women being like uh the powerful head honcho, you know what I mean? Like it, it was normal to me. I never understood the the power dynamic of the man needing to be the breadwinner or or anything like that, just because it was normal to me that anybody could. Or and and that's exciting. I know that's exciting for me to think of. Uh, you know, as, uh, both parents in the household. If you have a, a a mother and a father in a household, them both being equal. Um, you know, in terms of going out, going to work, coming home, taking care of the stuff around the house. I think that that's nice. I think that'll kind of benefit our our kiddos. But you're, from what I hear about your family, your grandpa too is much more kind of like in touch with his feelings and, and kind of very open. So it sounds to me like your whole family kind of has that talk about your feelings, talk about your mental health a little bit. I mean, not you know, sitting in a circle, crying, kumbaya kind of, but just very open about what you talk about is what I hear from the outside and yeah, talking no. with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Peyton tells you all the time. She's very close with my grandfather. So maybe that's where you heard that from. Uh, but yeah, so he later in life became, because my dad said when he, when his, his father, that's who you're speaking of, my, my pop up, when he was younger, he was very, uh, a stereotypical dad of the 70s or 80s you know what i mean he was very closed off he didn't talk much about feelings or finances it was very uh by the he was talking about dinner that was basically their conversations dinner and sports um but as he's gotten to be an older older gentleman as he is now he is open and he is aware of the feelings that he has and and he makes sure that his grandchildren and his children are aware of his feelings and he wants to, he makes us aware that he wants to care about us as well. So I, I, it's, it's funny you bring it up that this new sense of my family being very open and it's true. Um, because I think in the beginning we weren't as open, you know, because just because early in life when I was younger, that just wasn't normal. You, you didn't really express your feelings as much as you do now. And I think my family realized that that open communication and that, that sense of, of feeling as a team and and you can talk to anyone about anything it it's great like going through life realizing you have other individuals in your immediate family or just that just you could talk to about anything and be open about is it really puts a a big relief off you when you go into just about any situation i absolutely love that 
on several things. One that you um, and your family talked about feelings from, you know, an early age. And um, I think that it, it's really important for, you know, our parents and our listeners to hear the um, males in your family, one being supported by, you know, their mental health. And, so, you know, like Christina said, you know, there's so many times that, you know, the the guys and the boys, you know, suck it up and, you know, boys don't show, you know, um, their emotions. And I think that, you know, that is changing the views, you know, as we are going forward, you know, because I know that even my husband, when he was younger, you know, he certainly has anxiety and ADHD, but back then, you know, they really didn't um, discuss it or identify ADHD and anxiety when our little you know, our boys were younger. Um, so I am so appreciative of your family and being able to you talk today about your upbringing as a male. So thank you so much. I think it's so important for our listeners to hear, you know, the male's perspective. No, I agree. I and, mean and your dad staying home. Sorry. Like that is amazing, you know, because it's also stereotypical, right? That the, the mom stays home. And so to hear that also, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was like, yes, that's amazing. Yeah, no, it was such a, he, it was more important than any other job he could have went to nine to five. He, the way he was holding it down at home, uh, the amount of, uh, I didn't really realize it until I was older, but uh, I, I thanked him very much for what he did because not only did he take a big sacrifice taking that thing or just taking time off from work to help us. Um, it's also, and he didn't care because he doesn't really care what people think about him, but it's a very big societal like change for you when you have to tell people you're a stay-at-home dad. That's very like, as I got older, I was like, hey man, thank you very much. That's, it's very big deal that you did that. Um, and I, I recognized him for it. So thank you for recognizing that. Absolutely. You know, I think that, like you just said, I think that there's almost like a, a neg negative connotation of a dad staying home. And um, by you saying, you know, you're telling us your story is also bringing light to it's not, you know, it's a very positive thing. You know, we're giving credit to your mom for being that powerhouse mom um, and for him to also support that mental health um, aspect even goes to your generational of your grandfather, you know, so I think that it's really important because we don't talk a lot about um, our dads and mental health and the boys, you know, um, because I know that it's been a struggle. Um, boys often are always identified as having that problem child instead of like we talked earlier um, about having a difficulty you know, so I appreciate, you know, you being open and um, bringing your story to us. Thank you very much. I think, I think that um, for so many families, when you have a child that has a challenge, whether um, they're born with a, a physical challenge or mental health challenge or behavior challenge, often it becomes really difficult with all the appointments that you have to take or the school calling and saying, come pick your child up, which by the way is a suspension, um, even though they don't call that. Um, I, I, so I think that often one parent has to maybe sacrifice their job to be that stay-at-home parent. And we don't think about it often like, oh, I'm sacrificing my job for my child. We just do it. You just 
adapt and you stay at home and you manage the family. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that could be a little frustrating for uh, wh whichever parent it is that stays home. I know that uh, in the past, when you were going to apply for a job, they would be like, what's that gap on your resume? And I'm hoping that things change. It seems like right now things are a little bit more open that maybe that's my privilege speaking. I can totally see that happening. Um, but it would be nice to think that people wouldn't be so negative about why did you step out of a career for a while and 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 what did you do because i know that the skills that i learned in preparing for and attending iep meetings are things that i use every day in my work whether now i'm working certainly in this particular part of advocacy but i'm in the back you know, I'm in the background. I'm, I'm not necessarily working with families. I'm working with our system partners on systemic issues and trying to find money to keep our lights on. So I use those principles of an IEP with smart goals and the way you have discussions and the way you, you gather data and information to have a meeting and talk to people. I use all that. So I think that a parent who had to organize their child's appointments and figure out how to, you know, I've got to be across town when my other child needs to be somewhere else. I think those are amazing skills that parents can bring back into the workforce. So I think that that's a benefit. Yeah. And what's, what job is as important as taking care of your children? You know, I don't think there's any other job that qualifies more that deems more necessary or more important than that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that should be on our resumes because like Christina was saying, you know, I did stay home for the majority of my, my children's lives because one, it was more cost effective. Like when they were, you know, not in school yet, daycare was more than the income that I could have brought in. Um, two, once I started to, you know, have a child that had, you know, um, more appointments, the therapy sessions, or even just difficulty getting to school, um, when I would try to get a job, you know, it would be very difficult um, for me to be one called from the school to say, you know, your daughter's having a difficult time to just getting them to school because they were having a difficult morning, you know, so um, the job market isn't really um aware of what our lives like are what we're going through at home it's a okay well you were late today you know about 10 minutes right well if you knew what my morning <laughs> consisted of of just getting to this job right now you know um there is no forgiveness um when it comes to um having that nine to five kind of job and having children um that are you know having a difficult time in um their lives I think that's a funny visual of uh, putting uh, like your children's accomplishments on your resume, because at the end of the day, that's that's you making sure those accomplishments get done. So you could be like my kid had a, this GPA. So on your resume, I think that's pretty funny. Or just your your child was able to graduate. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Is, is always a, a, an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So my experience raising my kiddos was different because I was a single mom. So I really didn't have the ability to you know, opt out of the workforce and stay at home with them. Mm -hmm. So I really had to pick, do my best in very rural Pennsylvania, where there weren't a whole lot of job prospects, um, to find work that could 
accommodate the needs of my children. Right. And so sometimes I was successful with that and sometimes not so much. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely a, um, definitely, you know, something that, that is a tough choice for a lot of families when, when you don't really have that choice and you've got to figure out how you can be in two places at once. If you're lucky, it's just two places. There were times when I had to be in three places at once. Yeah. So going off uh, what you're saying right there, Christina, how important was other members of your family, maybe siblings or or parents or aunts or uncles to help you uh, with these little challenges? As you, like you said, stay at home or a single mom, single parent, uh, having to work and also take care of the kids. So I lived two hours away from any family member. <laughs> Four. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that, um, that, that network, that family network. I had some really great friends who, um, you know, I could count on to help me out when I needed it, who I lived, <clears throat> I lived in a small community where for much of my time there it was a really safe and nurturing place for my children where, um, you know, I could count on a friend to kind of keep an eye out for my kids if they saw them out there doing anything that I ne needed to know about. Um, I, living in a small town, I made a point of um, if my children wanted to do something, if my children wanted to sign up for uh, T-ball, um, I made sure that I volunteered. When my kids were in percussion and color guard, I made sure that I got involved so that uh, I didn't have to worry about things getting from one place to like missing, um, you know, what was happening, the, the lost papers of you need to have like 700 cookies by Friday. Um, and, and so I, I got involved, which may sound kind of counterintuitive that when you're so busy to kind of do something else, that's going to add more, uh, like more to your plate. But for me, I found that being involved and active in my children's activities kept me in the loop. Plus I got to know the other parents. I got to know their friends and I became friends with their friends' parents. So it was a little easier if I had to call somebody and say, hey, I'm hung up somewhere. Could you give my kiddo a ride home? But I had to, to think about things. Um, I always, I, and I'm realizing now that it, it is uh, like a, a symptom of anxiety that in my head, no matter what I was doing, I always had to have a backup plan. But because I was a, a mom alone on a, you know, living paycheck to paycheck without too much of a, of a safety net, um, I did have to have that backup plan. So what if I'm out of town and I can't get home? Who's going to pick up my kiddos? Um, so even when I was looking to buy my house, I purposely looked for a house in town so that my kiddos, if, you know, obviously they would get a bus home, but if they needed to get back to school later on in the day, or if they had to stay at school late for like a, a sports practice or rehearsal of some sort, they were able to walk home, or maybe it was a little easier for them to get a ride home from a friend because they weren't like out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, I think my life was plans and backup plans and then backup plans for my backup plans. 
I think whenever you have a situation, you can either have a parent that has lots of supports, that there's lots of people around, or like in Christina's situation or my situation where you were kind of on your own to do it. I think as parents that whenever, and a lot of parents are like this, whether they have a child with any kind of mental health issue or not, but I feel that we're so protective and we're so isolating that I felt many times like I'm the only one that can do this. I'm the only one that's going to protect them enough or know everything about them. So I think it's really hard to put yourself out there and allow other people to help you and let them come in. Um, I found myself that I would only work the hours that the kids were in school and I worked at the school because I just couldn't step away and just let them <laughs> be at school. Um, so I started like first grade up to literally graduation, substituting at the school. And I would work in the cafeteria, work as an instructional aide, as a secretary. I just, I felt like nobody else knew kind of what was going on and that it was up to me to make sure like everything was okay all the time. I think too, like for me, um, by my third child, right? I have three, but by the third one, when we moved here, um, it was very isolating. You know, um, family is a support, but when you have a child that might be struggling, um, you isolate more because you don't think that they'll understand or that, you know, they, they know her or them as a certain way, right? Oh, well, we know that she's just this, you know, ray of sunshine and she's always, you know, you know, having a good day. And, and but at home, it was such a different um, view, right? Um, so a lot of times I would isolate, you know, because I don't think that they would understand what was really going on and how much our child, our, you know, our kid was struggling, right? Um, with my oldest, um, we did get involved in the t-ball, be coached, we were a part of the team, you know, um, and they were also um, a, a, a reliance, like we could rely on the friends that we made through our, our sports, you know what I mean? Um, but with my youngest, it was difficult. We more isolated until we found our other parents that were going through the IEP process. You know, we, we, we ran towards them and, and had that support from parents that were actually going through the same similar situations that we were going through. So let me say that, um, the, for most families, for many, I won't say most, for many families, the reality of the situation is when they have a child with challenges, and especially if the challenges are a little bit more on the extreme side, they don't get the opportunity to utilize those natural supports in their everyday life. They often can't, and I remember um, worrying dropping my child off at Boy Scouts. And we had um, some, some times where Boy Scouts, like Boy Scouts didn't work out. And uh, same thing, you know, we, we had some Girl Scouts doesn't, doesn't work out now. Um, you know, sometimes it's just not the right troop or whatever for them um, or the right experience for them. But there were, the, things were really challenging. We couldn't utilize those natural supports as easily as other families. Uh, even though I ran the soccer league, when we put my youngest on a team, 
um, they were, because of their ADHD, they were challenging. And, and I was just telling someone not long ago, um, my, my uh, youngest and their best friend, the coach who had them created the penalty box on the soccer field for them. So they would, they would have to like go into the penalty box uh, when, just because, you know, they had ADHD and they were all like, you know, like a a ball of, you know, like I want to get out there and it's hard to focus and, and stuff. Um, So, so even though I was, you know, running the soccer league, I still couldn't necessarily have my, you know, like one of my children coached by anyone else. So I do hear it a lot from families, you know, I, I, we can't go out. We, you know, I, as a, whether it's like a a single parent who wants to go out for, uh, you know, a night out with the girls or the guys or go to, you know, a physical support group. It's very difficult to find babysitters. I had, um, I found two people who worked at my uh, child's daycare center when they were little. And those were my uh, my babysitters, and I used them very sparingly, only when I absolutely, really, really, really needed it. I don't think people realize when they say, come to a meeting, what it's like. But if you have to disrupt your family for the night, when you have a child who really relies on that structure, um, you know, the fact that one parent, two parents aren't going to be home and uh, even if you're going to leave them with their other parent, just any kind of little disruption in the house is really difficult. So I think that's why I'm like really big about offering virtual support groups because it's still a, it still can be a change in the structure of the house, but it's not as dramatic as someone leaving the the building and kind of creating that structure. Plus, it's really hard to find someone to to babysit your child with challenges. And even if you have an older child, maybe it would be normal for you to leave your 11 and 12 year old at home with your 16 year old because everybody's pretty self-reliant. If you have a child with some challenges, you know that when you leave the, the house, things are going to become more extreme and their behaviors may become more challenging. So um, you know, it, when you have a child who has some challenges, utilizing some of those natural supports that other parents may not realize are natural supports become more challenging. And I remember time after time after time, even though remember particularly one year at basketball camp, I went and I talked to the person who was running the basketball camp about my child having ADHD and in things like gyms, when they're given instruction because the the room is so big, sometimes they lose that sound um, because they had some processing challenges. So throwing a ball at them and yelling at them was not going to work for them. And the director of the program assured me, no, no, they can work with my child. It wouldn't be a problem. Everything would be great. Paid the money, got a call um, the middle of the second day to come pick my child up from camp. And that's like a hard that's hard on your child who now feels like they missed that opportunity to fit in. Maybe they feel like a failure because it didn't work out, or maybe they had that negative experience with uh, something that could be a great outlet for them. So those natural supports can be really difficult when you have um, a child with challenges. And those of us who have it a little easier should really kind of be aware of that when we're talking with families who 
who may feel that isolation. It may not be self-imposed isolation. It may be isolation because the world isn't as tender as it needs to be for our kids. Absolutely, Christina. I think that, you know, acceptance. Um, I, I know that it when I'm when you were talking, it it reminded me, you know, of my daughter when um we after we first moved here, um, you know, we got her into cheerleading because her brother um, was on the football team and he is much older than her. <clears throat> but um, she started doing the cheerleading and she couldn't focus on what the teacher was trying to teach. What she wanted to do was she wanted to clean, climb the tree that was behind her rather than trying to learn that, you know, cheer. So here's my daughter trying to climb the tree while this instructor is trying to teach. And she had no clue. She's like, nope, I wanted to just climb that tree because, you know, that's what she loved to do. But as a mom, I was feeling so overwhelmed by like, you know, can you pay attention? And, and like, you're here trying to do this. And she just, at that point, we, she did not have the diagnosis of ADHD yet. Um, and so she was just having a really difficult time trying to focus. Um, and we learned, you know, after that, um, when we, when she was in the cheerleading that she couldn't focus, it was that summer that we really started to identify that. Yeah, she's, she's got some ADHD. And, um, I just remember isolating and feeling so overwhelmed as a parent, um, feeling like everybody was like, what is wrong with her? Because she's not, she's all over the place, you know, she's running around and she just could not focus because she was having a difficult time. Um, and so I think that it's acceptance and trying to be a parent that can support that other parent that might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed and feeling like all eyes are on them because there might be thinking that they're doing something wrong. Um, but we're trying to support our um, kiddos that are, you know, having a difficult time. So I appreciate what you said, Christina, is it just accepting and trying to, you know, reach out to some of those parents that might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Thank you so much for listening to This Is Not What I Was Expecting. We hope this quick chat with a couple of our moms has made your day feel less alone in your parenting journey. As a parent, we know you don't have a lot of time in your hectic day, so we are happy you spent this time with us. If you want to stay connected with us, please visit us at paparentandfamilyalliance.org.